I'm Jody Whites, Results and Success Coach, and these podcasts teach you how to make significant changes to live your dreams, make a positive impact on the world, and drop your regrets. It's time for you to get spectacular. Welcome back to Your Spectacular Life. I'm Jody Whites, your professional and life coach, helping you get spectacular in all things. I am very happy to have my guest, John Fullis, with us today. Hi, John. Hi, Jody. All right, let me uh, let me share a little bit about John, and um, then we'll get to uh, the questions. As a Madison Avenue ad man, John Fullis spent the first seven years of his career getting fired and the next 25 getting famous. Despite his rough career start, he eventually co-founded a, a Mad Avenue agency <laughs> that in three years became one of the most awarded agencies in the country. Relatedly, John was selected one of Madison Avenue's 12 best by the New York Ad Club. John's high impact creative has helped sell everything from Coke to God, and his high impact campaigns have been covered in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Forbes Time, the Harvard Business Review, and Apprentice Hall Marketing Textbook. What makes his success particularly noteworthy is what he's had to overcome to achieve it. He was fired four times in the first seven years of his career. His acclaimed narrative video series, True Stories in Advertising, documents his wild ad business adventures. All right. Welcome, John. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Glad to be here. Yeah, that's quite a resume. <laughs> but it, it sounds so interesting. Now, um, you were on, you know, you were on uh, some of the high level advertising agencies. Who were you with before you started your own business? Sure. Um, well, before I started, worked in New York, I um, worked in Atlanta for a division of BBDO, which is a big, big international agency. Uh, spent a couple of years down there, then moved to Chicago and worked for another mega agency called Foot Cone and Belding. Uh, that's another uh, mega international agency. And Chicago was their headquarters. They had accounts like Hallmark and Sears and Pizza Hut. So um, that was an exciting experience. And then I moved to New York, which is where I spent most of my career, about 25 years worth of my career in New York City, and worked for several agencies there, including Doyle Dane Burnback. That was one of the top creative agencies in, in the country. And another one called Shiat Day. And... Uh, several other smaller ones, but I freelanced also for a lot of different agencies in New York as well. But uh, Doyle Dane was uh, 
definitely the best agency. Doyle Dane did all the great Volkswagen ads in mm. the 60s, 60s and 70s. That was yeah. one of the accounts they were known for. Mm, how fun. It sounds very exciting. Now, um, had you always been interesting, uh, interested in advertising, um, coming up with creative slogans for people or products or services? No, I mean, uh, I didn't really know what advertising was beyond watching ads on TV and seeing them in, in newspapers and magazines growing up. So it was nothing that I thought about as a career, but I was always a creative guy. Um, my mom was a creative person. She was actually a, a painter and taught art uh, shortly after she got out of art school before she got married and had kids. Hmm. So I kind of grew up uh, with an art instructor as, as a mother. <laughs> and so that, that certainly was a nurturing experience for my creativity. So I was always good at, at drawing and coloring and things like that, but never really thought about really pursuing anything even artistic as a career. So I kind of fell into advertising hmm. as a career, mainly because um, during my um, second year of college, I was I, I had taken a graphic design class and about halfway through the, the course, I was pulled aside by the instructor who asked me what I had planned to do for a career. Mm. And my answer was, I don't know, to which she responded, well, can I offer you a suggestion? You're extremely talented and you should really strongly consider going into some form of uh, visual communication, whether it be as a, a design person or um, there's so many careers that fall under the visual communication right. umbrella. Um, but if it wasn't for her suggesting that to me, I don't think I would have transferred to a school that really had quite a variety of uh, options to choose from under that umbrella. And that was Syracuse university. Mm. And uh, the guy that I, I, thought was a guidance counselor to kind of advise me as to which career path to take um, that I thought was a guidance counselor turned out to be the chairman of the advertising department. Ah. And that's how I ended you were up. recruited. <laughs> well, kind of shoved, I yeah. would say was a, a, a better word. He, he looked right. at my portfolio and basically said, kid, if you're creative and, and you have talent you, and you want to make money and yes, go, go into advertising. Now take <laughs> this over to the money. woman there and she'll set you up with the, uh, with advertising classes. So that's how I, I kind of fell into advertising uh, in that sense. Yeah, that's, that's great. You know, it, it, so many people in our lives can direct us one way or another way. And it, it's very fortuitous that, they lead us down. There is something beyond ourself leading us to our career, recognizing talent and then helping us to foster that. Um, right. So that that's great. And it's nice that your mom was somebody who was creative and that was something that went on in the environment of your household. You know, well, I think it was also a strategy to kind of keep us out of her hair because she would, <laughs> you know, give us a bo box of crayons and say, uh, draw me something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so one. I think there was another motivation uh, to that. But yes, to your point, it was great 
being, uh, uh, having, having a mom who was nurturing in that sense. And uh, so I, I have to thank her for that. Yeah, parenting 101. <laughs> get them, get them working on creative stuff. Now, you know, coming back to when you were in, you know, Chicago and New York and Atlanta, you know, what superpower do you have in understanding how to bring out the best ad for a client? How do you creatively and instinctively know what will work? And I'm assuming you have to come up with a number of ideas, but even to start. Well, it has less to do with instinct than it has to do with methodology. Um, the reason there are schools like Syracuse University that are very good in preparing people for the industry is because um, it requires learning how to do it. Um, just because you're creative or talented uh, doesn't mean that you're going to be good at knowing how to advertise a client's product or service. So it does require uh, an amount of training as well as talent to be able to do that. And you just, you, you break it down, you, you know, as, as you're taught uh, in advertising school, and certainly once you get into the business and you start doing it for real, that uh, you're basically given some information by the account guy as to what the goal of the advertising uh, is to do. And it could be anything. It could be an awareness campaign. It could be for a, a sale of a product. It could be any, any number of things that fall under marketing. And um, you, you um, begin by understanding what makes that product or service really, really special. Mm. And also being really, really clear about who it is you're talking to. Uh, if you're, if you don't know exactly who it is that you're speaking to, you can't really do a good job of knowing what to say to them. Mm -hmm. And every audience is, is, is different. Um, you know, uh, moms with kids are going to be a very different audience than, uh, teenage boys or older men. So, um, you, again, you have to kind of break it down kind of uh, analytically before you even begin to think about creativity. But once you understand those parameters, uh, then you're, you're kind of working in with certain boundaries. So you, you know, it makes it a little bit easier than to kind of define what that creative message might be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, it, you know, this is great advice for anybody launching a business is to really think about your target market. And again, who, who are you talking to? Who do you want to in the event of selling a service? How do you reach them? And, um, you know, and then there's coming up again with the creative part, which, you know, I'm gonna say everyone has had, or everyone who's gone through school with advertising has had the training. But then there's that extra special creative punch and um, right. that 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 is not there. And how do you think you had that 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 gr great campaigns award winning campaigns? 
Well, you know, there's one other thing I, I should should mention. Um, in addition to knowing who you're talking to, another aspect uh, that ties into what you're asking me is the media, mm. right? Um, yeah. Because um, that's going to dictate uh, to a certain extent what the creative is, right? If you're doing a, a, a national TV, it's going to be very different than if you're doing... Um, something in print or something in radio or a billboard or something online. So, um, but regardless to your, to your question, Jody, regardless of what the media is, um, the important thing about the message is that if it doesn't touch the audience on an emotional level, if you're just putting out information, that's not going to get them to respond the way you want them to, to think the way you want them to think or to ultimately take the action. Because the ultimate goal of any marketing effort is not only to get people to digest the information and the message that you're sharing with them, but ultimately to, in pretty much every case, to take some kind of an action, right? To, yeah. to buy the product or to attend the, the, uh, the event or to listen to the podcast. So uh, you have to uh, get them excited. That, that was kind of the mantra when I had my agency. That was kind of the, 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 the mantra that I would always um, use to brand what my agency was good at and that is getting people excited enough to take the necessary action because ultimately, if you don't get them excited, they're not gonna do anything. And that's where you really have to touch them with your words or your pictures or the combination of the two uh, to, to touch them on an emotional level. And that's really where the, the creativity and the talent comes in because they're, you know, a lot of good writers and a lot of good designers, but there's a certain mix of the words and the pictures and the video that um, requires a certain amount of talent that you're going to come up with saying it. It's not just what you say, it's, but it's always how you say it, because right. you could say the right thing, but if you don't say it in a way that touches them in a way that's going to get them to react, and again, that's where the creative talent comes in. And um, uh, also there's, there's no guarantee. You never really know. There's no guarantee mm -hmm. that just because you do something, it's gonna work. So as, as much as a lot of uh, uh, people who invest in advertising and marketing would like it to be a, an exact science, there's a certain unknown to it about whether or not it's going to be effective. And I think that's kind of what, what makes it interesting that, interesting as as a business as as a uh, as as a as an industry because it's 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 not that uh, uh, scientific where you can guarantee anything there's an unknown quantity to it right i would i would say there's quite a bit of guesswork and you don't know if you know you're reaching the right audience in the right way um, and um, i love your get them excited. I think that's a good mantra for people to have because we're just 
not imparting information. We're imparting, we're imparting a moment in life or moments in life that they can experience with whatever you're presenting. And that's, I think, much more alluring than a bullet list. of of information. Now, you were talking about media. Um, I I love the fact that one of your campaigns, and this was a campaign to advertise for a church to get more people in, in fact, more younger people. It was a church in New York. And one of your, uh, one of the ways you did this was to have an airplane with a banner flying over New York. And um, it it was great. It was a great way to reach people. And it said something. uh, Do you remember what that banner said, John? Yeah, yeah. Well, the the church was one of the, the largest churches in Manhattan. And the goal that I was asked to try to accomplish was to attract more younger people. Um, But when you're advertising the church, um, a lot of the, the media is going to be uh, seen by people of all ages. So mm. even though they wanted to to target younger people, um, we we got a deal on a on a um, an aerial uh, campaign that or an aerial aerial media where these the company had a fleet of airplanes that you can. Um, get a banner attached to and there's only so many letters you can fit on the banner <laughs> i think there were like i don't know 27 oh characters that you Lord. can so so yeah, you you're can't challenged say, <laughs> you're, you're really challenged. It's basically <laughs> yeah. a tagline it's basically yeah, right, a tagline right. um but this was in nine, 1998 jody where um websites were still a relatively new thing mm. and the the church had just put up a website that we had helped create for them so the line that I came up with, and again, this is where knowing the media can uh, assist with the creative. So since this was going to be a banner in the sky and we were advertising this church, which you can argue is in a sense uh, selling God or advertising God, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so with that in mind, the line I came up with was make a friend in a very high place. <laughs> Lovely. And right after that was <laughs> marblechurch.org, which was their new website. Mm. So I think that was just um, just made it within the limit of, of the amount of characters you could have on that banner. I think if I had one more word, it would not have fit. So it, <laughs> fortunately, it worked out really well, but it flew over. Um, it ran in the fall and it flew over Giants, the football stadium where the New York Giants play, Giants Stadium at the time. And uh, so we got them to fly over uh, several times during uh, NFL football games at Giants Stadium. So it made a, certainly was seen by a lot of people mm-hmm. and when we got press in the New York Times, that was the first thing that the uh, the journalists picked up on was the fact that we had done that that airplane banner with that headline. So it, it helped grease yeah. the wheels for the press as well. Nice. And I love the symbolism. You know, you're looking up and you're seeing this banner in high places. I mean, it yes. just all fits together so right. beautifully. Right. Yeah. Now, um, 
I know that um, you got out of what year did you get out of advertising, um, you know, from a, a regular career sense and, and switched into video media, which um, may still be advertising, but I think you're doing right. something different with yeah. that. Well, you know, I think one of the important things uh, for people to to do in any industry, regardless of what it might be, is is to um, evolve with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't care what industry you're in. Um, if you're in it long enough, it's going to change. And if you don't figure out how to change and evolve with it, you're going to find yourself out of work pretty quickly. And I would I would say that there are a few businesses that have evolved and changed more than the advertising business because it's it's how businesses make money and so when anything new comes along when there's something new that's innovative that affects the media channels by which people advertise uh the advertising industry is going to be the first one that's affected by that mm. so um for me to continue in the industry, as long as I, I, I have had, I, I'd say my career is probably 35 years, I had to constantly keep my fingers on the pulse of it. As I mentioned to you earlier, when I learned about podcasting in 2005, uh, I decided I needed to, to know about it. And the best way to know about it was to kind of get into it and have my own podcast. So I did that in 2006, I was podcasting. Um, the video thing you mentioned, I had been doing video just for fun, probably in the late nineties from my desktop. Mm -hmm. I'm a, mm -hmm. I'm a Apple guy. And mm -hmm. when I found out about iMovie, I started dabbling in that in the late nineties, but got into it more seriously when it became a more serious thing for more businesses. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you're familiar with the term explainer videos. Um, go ahead and, and let our audience know about that. Well, around 2011 2012 um the kind of video that a lot of businesses started to um decide that they needed was something called explainer videos in 2012 i think it was one of the top 10 most searched terms on google Hmm. And that's because that was a way of defining a certain type of video that for many businesses that had a product or service that uh, wasn't inherently inherently understood, it did require some explaining, which is why these videos that could last from anywhere from as short as 30 seconds up to a couple of minutes had the specific uh challenge of explaining what a company's product or service is. And many of them took the form of uh, animation or, or, or graphics. So not, although some of them could have been shot by a production team with lights and camera, um, many of them were done from the desktop by someone who knew how to uh, uh, use graphically communicate it with with graphics words and pictures and a bit of animation so that was something that i decided to get in into myself when i had my own ad agency we would hire production companies to do tv commercials but as a creative person i thought it would be interesting to challenge myself by learning 
some of these animation programs because I thought it would be an asset for me as, as a uh, still continuing to market myself, not so much as an ad agency, but a marketing resource to be able to offer these explainer type videos to my clients. Mm. So that's what I was getting started to get into around that time, 2012, 2013, and even decided to kind of spin off a dedicated uh, business called Big Idea Video. Mm, okay. Be because when people ask me what I did, uh, I kind of bit my lip when I said I'm a marketing guy, <laughs> which for many people um, didn't continue the conversation. But when I said I, I, I create videos that engage people and can communicate what it is you do, what your product or service is. Many people got very intrigued with that notion and wanted to know more about it. So I decided to have a dedicated um, business platform that really helped uh, flesh that out where I could show a lot of the video work that I did for various clients and, mm -hmm. and get people, new prospects to hire me to do that for them. That that's great. And you know, we have 10 years later on video, which is a mix of graphics or, you know, people doing their one minute videos on Instagram or Facebook. Right. And that's really well, TikTok, coming into TikTok me. now, right? TikTok, right? Exactly. Um, and that's getting to be uh, or is uh, a much better way to get across what you're trying to say or what you're trying to entertain right. people with. And um, are you still doing explainer videos for folks? Um, or are you doing them for yourself? Because I know you have another project called the Bully Project. Um, I want to hear about that. But sure. do you feel video is the way to go um, now? Yeah. If you if you only well, have a yeah. small budget? Well, I was, I was realizing that um, 15 years ago, yeah. 15, 20 years ago, because in the late mid to late nineties, and even in the early two thousands, it was about having a great website, but mm. it wasn't long thereafter that it became, okay, so what's on your website that's keeping people on your website and really mm. getting people excited about what it is that you you do or you sell. Mm -hmm. So um, that was something that I concluded um, even before I learned about, became a thing like explainer videos. I was getting more and more involved in creating video content uh, for myself. Um, so yeah, I, 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 so it, the point is it became about having not just having a great website, but having more video, compelling video content on it. So uh, it's been like that for a while. And, and I don't think you can have too much compelling mm. video content, right? <laughs> and I'm just amazed right now, even in, in 2022, that so many uh, people with a product or service to promote don't seem to realize that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, first of all, before people will engage with you in a deeper way, they have to trust you. And I can't think of any 
better way than uh, doing video advertising, have a video on your website, just welcoming people um, to the site or explaining what they need to to see with B-roll of how the product is used, etc. So it sounds like you were way ahead of your time. Not surprising. Well, <laughs> your, your question, Jody, was, am I, am I doing that? And, yeah. you know, fortunately, um, uh, once it's so, it's interesting because shortly after I spun off this big idea video biz, business model, which was 2013, um, I was having so much fun learning how to use animation to tell stories. I realized that if you could use little animated characters, it enabled you to, to, to uh, communicate in ways with video that would otherwise require you to get actors and actresses mm -hmm, and things like that. Sure. So it was kind of a, uh, if, if you did it well, it was kind of a, a, a faster, easier way to, to tell stories. And once I got into the whole idea of storytelling, I, um, went off on another path, which was telling some of my own stories, stories mm -hmm. about my career and stories about things that I thought would, that, that I kind of had, um, had uh, uh, in text form that I thought might be more interesting if I could convert them to, to videos. And uh, right around the time I started doing this around 2015, I also realized that um, financially, um, I was pretty well set that hmm. I didn't really have to uh, spend my time and energy uh, hustling for new business mm. as much as I had done previously. Mm -hmm. I mean, right, right now I'm in my uh, late 60s. So uh, we're talking seven, eight years ago when I was around 60. I kind of realized that I could devote more time focusing on um, my passion and doing the kinds of projects that just got me excited, uh, which included a lot of these, these video storytelling projects that also included a documentary that I made. So I haven't really been needing to do any of these explainer videos mm. or any kind mm. of other marketing work for other clients. Back then, I wasn't sure that I could, I was ready to kind of do that totally. I kind of gave myself six months mm -hmm. and yeah. decided that if it, after six months, if I ran out of money or, or my fan, the stock market crashed or something, <laughs> right. I, I could always go, go back into uh, going after business. But fortunately, that has not been the case. And I've been doing that ever since. Well, congratulations. Yeah, that's great that you were able to do that. Now, as I mentioned before, um, you were involved in the Bully Project. Uh, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, the, the Bully Project was one of those things that um, uh, started right around that time, 2015, when I was starting to get more involved in video and deciding whether or not I could focus on projects that got me really excited versus spending time and energy trying to find new new clients. So uh, in 2015, when I decided I could focus more on video projects that I just felt were um, more gratifying to focus on, that's when I came up with the idea for the video bully project. 
or the, the bully video project, I think is the correct way to say it. Uh, mainly because I had a, a, uh, a nephew who I had heard at the time was getting bullied a lot in school. And uh, it was very big in the news back then. I think it still is, but um, I, I just noticed during that time, there seemed to be quite a few stories on some really tragic stories about uh, the effects of, of bullying. So mm -hmm. I've always had an interest in doing public service work and um, came up with uh, a couple of scripts that I had written that I thought um, would be great if they could be delivered by kids. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the essence of the message messages for, for the two scripts was, um, it was basically, I wanted it to be kids talking to other kids because I think a lot of the, the bullying that, that's being done is by kids to kids. Mm -hmm. So I, I felt yeah. that uh, the message would be more effective um, if it was delivered by kids to other kids to uh, try to uh, encourage them to get involved when they see something going on. Mm. Um, so uh, I wrote a couple of scripts with that kind of idea in mind that if you see something, it's not easy to speak up. It's not easy to say something. It's not easy to tell someone, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't. Mm, yeah. So um, that, that in essence was the message. They were about 30, 45 seconds long. And the question then became, well, how do I find kids to do this? And I uh, reached out I did some research and I found out within 30, 30, 45 minutes away from where I live, there were a couple of schools that um, were drama schools for kids mm. or drama schools that included programs for kids. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to them, told them what I uh, was looking to do. And um, fortunately found a couple of the, the directors for these programs that were very enthusiastic about getting their kids involved with this. So, uh, and again, this, because this is when I was starting up my big idea video uh, platform, I thought that if I had these commercials, uh, these videos, public service commercials on my uh, websites, this would just showcase some very effective work. Because uh, it's not only about animation. Animation certainly is one way to do it, but it's not exclusively animation. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, we we shot, we got some kids. That the kids just did an amazing job. Mm. We probably we did two spots. We probably did four different uh, PSAs that involved at least two dozen kids. Mm. And, you know, you do a bunch of takes and each kid is just reading a couple of lines. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you had a chance to see the final result of these, these spots, Jody, but um, they're, um, they're online and um, we edited it. So we got the best takes from the best mm -hmm. kids and they ended up being incredibly impactful. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm sure about that. And essentially, you gave permission to these kids to kind of speak from the heart, whether they were drama students or not. We've, we've all experienced some sort of bullying or shaming or, you know, growing up is is not an easy thing for any of us. So that's marvelous um, that you came up with that idea and had kids 
again, um, you know, uh, be there for other kids and, and asking them to, you know, step up when they see bullying. That's great. And they were, and they were, you know, it was also nice because I don't think you can be a kid in school and not uh, have had the experience of, mm-hmm. of being dealt with and uh, being involved with bullying, whether or not mm-hmm. you, you have personally been bullied or have witnessed it. I mean, yeah. it's just so pervasive. So, and, and that affects all of us. I mean, when we see it being done, we are not scot-free with the emotional impact that has on our system. Of course. And, you know, one of the things I learned because, um, Years ago, uh, when I was in New York and had my ad agency, I got involved with uh, child abuse prevention. Mm. And one of the things I learned in, in uh, being involved with that is that a lot of um, abusive adults were uh, abusive adults because they experienced abuse or mm. bullying as kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, if it's not dealt with at um, a younger age and resolved, um, a lot of abusive uh, or bull- kids who bully grow up to be bullies as adults. Mm. And yeah. one of the things I, I learned was, uh, you know, some of the worst people in history, uh, whether they be Adolf Hitler or Charles Manson, uh, were, were bullied as kids and grew up in a very abusive household. So you can see how it affects society from a, from a broader perspective. Sure. Well, thank you for that, that, uh, public service announcement in that area. Um, and John, you know, I'm wondering how our audience can, uh, look at some of these videos, look at some of your work. What would you recommend? Well, um, if they want to specifically check out some of the video work, I think if they go onto YouTube, maybe that's the easiest way to do it. I have got a, a channel called Big Idea Video Channel. Uh, I think there's a bunch of Big Idea, other Big Idea Video companies. So I think if you put Big Idea Video, Big Idea Video Channel, um, that will come up, and maybe that's the easiest way for them to to see it. Great. All right. Well. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, hearing about your history and hearing about this new project that you're working on. Not necessarily new, but uh, something that you're bringing up in a very effective way that can touch many people. So thank you so much for your time. And it's been uh, uh, great to talk with you. Well, thank you, Jody. Thanks for the uh, interview. Enjoyed having the conversation. Great. You take care. You too. All right. I'm so grateful that you've listened to the end of this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review it, and share it with your friends. I love teaching insights so that you can have a more impactful and meaningful life. It's my mission to build a thriving community of happy, fulfilled people. Want more? Visit my website at yourspectacularlife.com.